Welcome back to a new conversation with Hani and Peretz. It's been about 14 months since we last posted a podcast, but in that time we've been having deep, engaging conversations. And we're so delighted to come back to you with new and refreshing conversations. Yes, uh, what we started at the beginning of COVID, having uh, conversations with different groups of people alumni and friends at different stages in their lives over topics which we facilitated and engaged them has grown uh, in a very deep and wonderful way. And we intend in our next episodes to share more about them with you and to reflect this new way of engaging in new types of conversations. We are changing the name of our podcast to the Torah of conversation and the meaning behind it and what's to come ahead we will share in our future podcasts. But in the meantime, this podcast is going to be a conversation we had about a month and a half ago, reflecting on our 21 years at Brandeis and our vision to the future, a conversation that was hosted by Professor Shula Reinhartz, a prominent professor at Brandeis who has been with us over these 20 years, has seen us grown and evolve, and had wonderful questions posed to us by the audience and herself. And in this conversation, we did a deep reflection on those 21 years. In about an hour, and still it wasn't enough, it really reflects what we've been doing this past year of bringing groups of people together uh, giving them a space where they could unpack their present and understand the narrative of how they got there. It's not an easy experience. It's critical and wonderful. Uh, language is offered as a framework with which to understand how one person got to where they are today, um, to understand what is going on. And then this gives rise, rise to their voice responding to the question, now that I know how I got here, what do I want to do with this? How do I want to go forward? What uh, changes? What pivots? Uh, what differences do I want to invite to my life? Um, so that it can gain a, a vibrancy and a, and a, a fullness um, that one is still seeking. And so when we reflect on our 21 years, you'll notice the hard work of reflection, of uh, peeling back layers and saying what is really going on and why is it happening? And then those gave rise to how we continuously evolved over the 21 years. The recording on our 21 years was recorded live at Brandeis University in late April. And so you will notice that the sound quality shifts. So enjoy this conversation. And we look forward to seeing you around the corner with the launch of the Torah of Conversation with Hani and Peretz. Yes. Welcome, everybody. It's a delight to see everybody here this evening. Uh, some current, many current students and some of them. Uh, we are delighted to have this conversation here with 
Professor Shula Reinhardt, who um, has a distinct honor of, besides her beautiful, her tremendous bio. Beautiful is good. At Brandeis, uh, starting being founded with the Women's uh, Research Center, the Adassa Brandeis Institute, uh, Adassa Brandeis Institute, and prior to that, a sociology professor. Always. Always, for many years. Uh, so she's been at Brandeis since the 90s. 82. 82. We didn't rehearse this. <laughs> <laughs> but her most relevant yichus to this evening here is that uh, we arrived at Brandeis in August 2001. And as a student club, Chabad began operating only at the end of that year, of that academic year in uh, May or April of 2002. And the first on-campus event that Chabad hosted was the menorah lighting in the Just Bill Shapiro Campus Center. And Professor Shula Reinhardt lit that menorah and um, I guess it was December of 2002. Yeah. <laughs> and ever since then, we've been in touch on and off, but more, more, mostly uh, a few years ago, Shula and I had a weekly charuta uh, that began with Talmud and ended on every topic under the sun. And it went consecutively for a number of years until Shula retired from her position at Brandeis, and now she is completed writing a book. Finished. Finished writing a book, and I think it's on before Yom Hashah. It's a book about her father mm -hmm. and how he survived the war in Holland. Mm -hmm. uh, including in this book is a vision for the future. Mm -hmm. So it's not only a reflection of the past. Shula, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for this privilege and to meet all of you. Uh, you can call me Shula, you can call me uh, Shulamit, whatever uh, you like. So, as uh, Peret said, I was a professor in the sociology department. Any sociologists here? Sociology Excellent. <laughs> so I'll direct the questions to you. Um, um, I want to just tell you that I really consider Hami and Peret's friend, friends of mine. And when they ask me to do something, I do it. Um, and I learn every time I'm with them, so I thank you for your friendship. Um, this program is going to end at 8, no matter what, and so because some people have things that they have to do at that time. And um, Hani gave me a list of questions that you posed online, and I have them, and I will try to get to many of them, okay? So tonight's celebration coincides with Yom HaShoah B'Hagaburah. Did people know that it's Yom HaShoah B'Hagaburah? A lot of people don't know that. And uh, it's very important because we are not only the people of the Shoah, but we're the people of the Geburah as well. Our strength is one of our most important characteristics. Otherwise, we would not have survived over the years. Uh, this Memorial Day, which lasts until sundown tomorrow, is a commemoration of the Jewish life that was lost during the Holocaust, but also the bravery that was expressed. I feel that our discussion is actually appropriate tonight because we are talking about a kind of life-saving, I hope I'm not exaggerating too much, a kind of glura when we talk about Hani and Paris's efforts to bring 
Chabad to Brandeis. You would agree with that? You know, he clapped. <laughs> okay. Hani and Peretz are going to address three big questions tonight. Um, about 15 minutes will be dedicated to each question. The first is, what brought you to the decision to leave the homes and community that you loved in Berlin soon after you married and come to Waltham, Massachusetts? where there is no Hasidic community. What made you decide to do that? I know it's part of the Chabad uh, purpose, but what made you decide that you were going to take this on? It's a good question. And in fact, I think about the question more as I grow up than when I did when I got married at 20. Uh, by then, I was. Uh, brought up in a community with the, the highest value it was to go out somewhere in the world, um, start a Chabad house or join one, and bring Judaism to the Jews. And um, since I always reached for the top, um, I thought that, I assumed that that's what I would do. And, and in fact, it was a requirement for when I started dating. Um, they don't. In the Shiddah system, we don't even get matched up unless we both agreed, without even knowing each other, to go out on Shikhut. So it was a value. So naively and innocently, I committed to that. Even before you met Paris? Yes, but it, was, it wasn't it was a well-thought-out decision. Mm -hmm. OK, what was your decision based on? For me, it was a little, uh, uh, it began when I was like about 15, 16 years old. Up until that time, I wanted to be a lawyer and make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you came to Brandon. Yes. And then when I was about 15 or 16 years old, and at that time I, was, I made a drastic decision at the age of 14 to leave home and go to Yeshiva in Israel. For, for the reason I told my kids when we were hanging out over Pesach, I was wasting my time in school. I spent more time in the principal's office, and I would make I would, I would make efforts to get kicked out of class. I would go play basketball, and in return to getting back in the class, all you had to pay was a quarter. So I gave the teacher a quarter. He caught on to it. Then he sent the principal down to the office to the basketball court and just confiscated the basketball. I think and they I, call that shabbat. Shabbat, yeah. <laughs> so I decided I got I got tired of that, and I went. I said I wanted to go to Israel. My family had family there. I wanted to go to Yeshiva. And during my time there, I came to realization on two points. I came, spent living by my grandparents. I became sensitive and acutely aware of the lifestyle that they had in the Soviet Union, where they could not practice Judaism. And my grandfather didn't have much of a Jewish education as a child, and my father didn't, and parents did not as well. And I felt very fortunate that I did. Even though you didn't like... By that time, I already... You started to I started to like that my second point. Okay. But I thought, and I realized the importance of Judaism and sort of how precarious it is, and I said I want to make a commitment to further it and share it with others who, do, who don't have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. The second one is I started learning Torah and I actually enjoyed it. It was intellectually stimulating, spiritually uplifting, and I just fell in love with it. So, what, what were you studying before that? Weren't you in a, you were in a Jewish Yeah, school. but I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so you needed to mature. Yes. 
Jews there, and what will they 
don't need me. So you don't have to come here because there's a lot of shoes. A little strange, yeah? Uh, for some reason, uh, it intrigued both of us tremendously to be on a college campus. There were maybe a handful of shluchim on other college campuses. Now there's over 200. Um, and we were the first ones under this program. And we drove up to campus one day, we rented a car. I remember that. <laughs> we rented a car. We drove to the campus. We're, we're here to explore, right? We drove to the campus, and we walked, we parked the car, we walked near Rosenthal overlooking Sherman in that grassy area. We stood there, we looked around, we bumped into some student, asked him some irrelevant question, and said, all right, let's go. Got back with the car and said, we'll do it. <laughs> Would you then attribute this to intuition, to the beauty of the campus? Craziness, uh, <laughs> idealism. Idealism. Yes. Idealism combined with naivete. Good. That's, that sounds perfect. A real leader. So, um, what did it, um, how long did it take before you came to campus after this strange decision? Yeah, just a few months. Okay. Uh, we came to look for an apartment to rent. Did you find an apartment? The first time I came, I did not find an apartment. I stuck, stayed, saw, I spent like two, three days looking for something. Then it came back a second time and found an apartment a mile and a half off of campus. Was that considered good? That was the best I could find. Okay. And uh, did you have to pay the rent for that the first year? Yes, the grant we got was... There was a grant? Yeah, we got a grant for $40,000 for th three years, over three years, which is very unique. $40,000 for three years? Each year? Each year. Oh. Years. Each year for three years. So it covered the moving expenses, it covered our rent, and then some. Um, and we did go into debt for the first few years. Um, How do you deal with being in debt? <laughs> Which part of us have you paid the bills? Yeah. Credit cards. It's, it, it's very stressful. It's extraordinarily stressful. Yeah. Uh, so you're credit card babies. We were, yeah. I found you in, in Hanford, buying food for Shabbat one week. One credit card maxed out. Does it ever get into like having to pay interest and everything on that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've never lived that way. So yeah, I know. <laughs> Good for you. I will tell you, it is extremely <laughs> stressful. It is extremely stressful. It has, and when I say this, it, it's a stress that plays in your own soul and your own heart. It's a stress that plays out in your marriage. I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> and, you, and it's a stress that plays out in your work too. So, is it possible for a for a, new, a young couple switching to a, a new place to call up the business assistant and say, you know what, I'm paying all this interest on your loan. It's I, I need more. Is it possible to do that? It's possible to make a call, but no, there's no one on the other line. There's no one to answer. There's no one to answer the call. This is something that this is. We are kabbalistos, but it is our personal endeavor. Okay. This is our personal enterprise. Okay. Uh, our association with Chabad is being Chabad Shluchim and following Chabad values and, and Chabad ideas. But the sort of the business part of it is... Is you. Uh, uh, yeah. The two of you. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Um, you sink or you swim. That's right. 
So that was the first part of my questions. Um, did you want to talk about the stress and its effect on your marriage? Um, yeah, because it's not something we're ashamed about, or um, it's actually a, a deep part of our story where um, we had to face it. Because if we ignored the stress, then it would just burst and be even more catastrophic. So it took about five to seven years of um, financial hustle, as well as proving ourselves to the student community that um, Chabad is needed at Brandeis. Um, it happened, in certain ways, it happened quickly. Students came to our house already the first week. But in other ways, like financially, it took years to get a footing because the students are not the ones we're fundraising from. And often their parents don't really understand what it is that we do here or what it is that they're benefiting. And when we first moved out, we didn't have any alum to fundraise from. So the stress was deep and there was uh, countless uh, tears and despair and asking the very first question, what in the world did we do? over and over again. And then there's a lot of uh, belief that um, God is big and generous and we're doing uh, our life's mission and it will come and we will get and, and those two tensions would just play at each other for years and until now, thank God, we could pay our bills, but it's actually still a hustle. I understand. Yeah. I think that say that you did this for six or seven years is really quite incredible. To me, it sounds like great dedication, but also precariousness. I mean, you always made it somehow at the last minute, but there's a possibility that you couldn't. Yeah, I remember at the end of after every graduation, we would breathe a sigh of relief and say, we made it. One more year. One more year. We made it this year. Will you make it to this year? You know. And now it's still there, but not so, not so blatant, not so strong. That we're going to make it? No, you'll make it. We'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a very interesting way to um, have people work for you, so to speak. But you didn't work for the rabbi, you worked for yourself. But to not pay them. And to expect them to give their all to it. It's one of the things I admire. So, did everything, oh, did anyone have a question at this point about the early years? Yes. Okay, um, I'm curious. Could you stand up and sort of look at everybody? We'll hear you, so um, I'm kind of curious, um, would you have ever considered taking like some type of like retail job or something just to like have extra income to like pay those bills while you're struggling or what did you say you taught at mymo i taught at mymo so that's a that's a fine question did you finish asking it like i was thinking something more like like even like a store clerk or something like it doesn't have to some be. way to make some yeah, extra money. Like That's a reasonable question. <laughs> Audrey asked if we would consider another job like a retail job. I taught at Maimonides, the local modern orthodox school, for the first three years. It brought in a little income, but a lot of it went for then daycare for Mendel. 
Which well, is that's a problem in the United States. And then after three years, it actually was adding more stress to my, my days because I would have this job and I would also prepare for Shabbat and programming. And I remember it was you who said to me, um, stop working because if you could bring more of your whole self with joy to the Shikhut, it will certainly bring us more uh, opportunities and blessings and resources. Plus, my mom is not close to here. No. We're still doing the drive now because the kids go to my Thank you for that question. Did you want to add anything? Yeah, on occasion, I, I did attempt at some startups. I did. Tech <laughs> startups. Um, any other question about their early years? Sure. Yes, what is your name? My name is Jakey. Jakey? Yeah, I have two questions, I guess. First, I'd love to hear more about your tech startups, parents. Sure. <laughs> next, and also, what did your family think when you first made the move, and what were your thoughts on initially raising a family in Wolf and coming in with nothing? Because I feel like that's like a question that I look up to you guys for, and I think it's, I'm, yeah. Those are two big questions. Maybe small answers. Yeah, maybe the tech will go off course. The tech one is not but for many alumni remember RSVP. So, oh, there you go, shaking your hands. Yes, RSVP. To the alumni who are watching, yes. And as far as, we didn't really think much about what it would mean to raise our family here, because we were just young kids ourselves. I was 24, 25, and I was 21. We didn't understand what it meant to raise, to raise a family. And we were raised on the value that raising a family under Sukkot is the highest value. Our reflections on that, leave for another time. You know, this is not the end of your conversation yeah. with Connie and Paris. It's maybe a beginning to get to know them a little bit deeper than you might otherwise. Okay, here's topic number two. Good question. Did everything turn out the way you expected? <laughs> um, did you realize that you had been naive in what you were expecting here? And did your goals shift when you became a little bit more seasoned and had more experience? Yes, and they keep changing. Um, there's a part of us that what that our naivete and idealism was driven by, we're going to be nice people. We're going to open our home, I'll cook decent enough food, the students want to home away from home and they'll come. And that will show us that we're doing a good job. And so that happened. We quickly filled up our apartment, we outgrew our apartment, a year and a half later, still in debt, we bought 54 Turner Street, two homes, went into further debt, um, but knew we had to make this move, rented our, our rooms to students. Um, and the crowd filled up again, broke down a wall connecting the two houses, and we would gain a lot of satisfaction in seeing for the, growth. For, for the growth and the people and the laughter and the, so many memories in those walls. And then, you know, we looked at each other. I remember the moment. What year was it? It was, two, it was December 2006. It was the last Shabbat of the semester. The house cleared out after Shabbat dinner. The tables were still food on them, leftovers. There was a small couch in the corner. We sat over there and looked at each other. And I remember a couple of days earlier, or a couple of weeks earlier, I uh, organized a class on a topic. 
and I put the flyers all over, and a, a class was going to be held in the Shapiro Campus Center, which is the center of campus, and one person showed up. So that night, we're sitting there, and I said, something's not working here. For the Shabbat dinner, the place is filling up, 150 students. For the class, one person showed up, we're doing something wrong. That's a hard thing to recognize, Yes. Because we had put so much effort into everything before. So this, you came here in 2001 and this is 2006. Yeah. Five years. Yes, but we didn't have to reflect that way. It was almost a choice to reflect that way because we actually could have been satisfied with our 150 people. But parents always wanted more. Both of us. Yes, yes. Well, I'm, I'm Brian, the teacher. Yeah, so I'm, just, I'm pointing out that that moment was a personal choice of ours to actually reflect. To reflect itself is actually difficult. Because you could find the good and say everything's fine. Right. Yeah. Right. Plus, you came to this at the same time. Yeah. yeah we both yeah. felt something is off. Some, something. Did some, you know what it was? Well, it was people coming to dinner and not coming to learn. It was that, it was that simple, but what, what to do about it? There was no playbook. And you wanted people to learn. Yes. I wanted two things. I wanted pre- to have deeper interactions with people. Deeper interactions. Yes. Every Shabbat dinner, you don't get that. So many people in and out, if you don't have personal time. And you have your friends you know, sitting next to you on the shows with them. Right. And the second thing is I wanted some people to take away ideas and teachings and sort of stimulate their mind and their hearts with Torah, with Torah ideas mm-hmm. in conversation. So that it wasn't just going to be feeding people and celebrating. Exactly. It was going to be deeper thoughts and learning. Yes. And what was your role in this, honey? I craved it deeply. Uh, firstly, I actually don't love to cook. Well, do you, um, you love to cook? I don't. Don't love to cook. Um, and so cooking was very stressful, but the dinners were magical, so that always soothed me. And yet, I didn't want our Chabad house, and it was a typical Chabad on campus Chabad house, to be defined by the Shabbat dinners and the home away from home. We're in an academic setting. Students came here to learn. We could we need to introduce the value of Jewish learning. And so um, we were born and we, ra- we did a radical shift. Um, in, in, a, in a sense, we, we, uh, we kind of said a shift in a minute, but what we did was said, let's break the model. Model of uh, a Who said the model has to be a particular way? Let's create our own, a, a, a new model. Be creative. Be creative and uh, be, and, and trust ourselves. And did you have anyone you could talk to about this? Yeah. Hashem? Um, honestly. I believe you. It's, it's but very, you don't have peers the exact, um, you have peers, but there, I mean, there's a whole Nedges department of people who know a great deal about Jewish texts, but they're not working on the same issues that you are. Right, and even in our own circle, this was the model that's been going on for everybody so, for, for so long and it's been working. We want we need to we needed to trust ourselves. And we needed to we know ourselves best and we know our, our canvas best and we know what we want best. And if we take those compo- components and combine them together, we can do the best we can do. But if we And then also make yourself happy. And make ourselves happy. But if we ask others, they don't know the situation as well as we do. 
and, and they don't have the stake in it as deep as we do. So, right. So you have each other. Thank God, you have a, a wonderful marriage where you can deal, deal with these topics. That's very good. Uh, and the, the children kept on coming. The children kept on coming. Even though you mean the brown eyes? You're my biological. I mentioned your biological. You are a um, parasite. Even in the middle of Shabbat dinner. What? <laughs> what did he say? She's nodding her head. One of our children was born. Oh, yes. Right before Shabbat dinner. Oh, and then Shabbat dinner still happened. While Simon was upstairs. Doing her thing. It was not ready. Yeah. But it was a half hour before. Were all six of your children born at home? Yes. That is such an achievement in and of itself. You know that women should be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Nothing. Okay. Um, so, so this was a crisis because you didn't have the answer, although you knew what you wanted. So it was really more of a question of getting there. How do you get to this? And Hani maybe had it even worse than you because I mean, I'm just guessing because her big job was to get these meals on the table with help. Um, which was kind of far away from the study that you could do, and you didn't even like it. So, hi, you're a Yibora. Um Did alumni help you resolve your crisis? At that point? Yes. There were not so many. It was By the way, is the student present who was that single student in the class that No, 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 this is too long ago. This is too long ago. Okay. Did someone say something? We lost touch with the student. I don't remember who it was. They should get an award or something. Yeah, I don't remember who it was. Okay. Now, you, I would call you, fluid in your um, leadership style because you did things that were important to people, but you were also very much in touch with your own feelings and trying to figure out what changes to make. What I want to understand is Chabad, the Chabad model static, or is it fluid? I mean, when you buy into being a shaliach, is it like this is what you do? It's a great question, and the answer is it's fluid. It is very fluid. Uh, it simply has two, I think I'll sum, put it down to two elements. One is you are connected to Hashem, to God, and you are, have that commitment to Torah and Mitzvot and Bible directives, just the teachings. And the second... That's, that's static, isn't it? That is static, but, it, it pretty, but, it's, but it's very, it's very, you know, just tolerance, it's just, you know, observing the community, you love God, you know, be committed to God. And, and, this, and the second is to connect to other people, to connect to other Jews, to connect to Judaism. How do you get there? That's up to you. And the people that are different everywhere. Right. That the Rebbe's model, that, that's what the, the Rebbe built the model, the sense that you're local, you know your people, you do it your way. Okay. I want to ask a question now as a sociologist. You know this question because I brought it up to you before. The, stu- the student body at Brandeis and probably in the whole country 
is constantly changing too. You have different concerns. You know, you're, uh, I don't know, I don't want to describe things in stereotypic ways, but you know, there was time where everybody was a hippie and everyone was high, and now everyone's not a hippie. <laughs> um, you have different goals. There were times when people really were not career-oriented, and now I think they're very much so. A lot of different things. Times when people got married immediately after they got off the uh, commencement stage, and now people wait a long time, or longer, I should say. So people change, but there's, those things are, are known. But there's another change that's going on now, and that is the rise of anti-Semitism. Not so much, I would say, uh, desecration of places and, and uh, you know, uh, rabid uh, expressions of hatred or something like that, but the theories of what society is composed of has put Jews in a very strange position where whiteness is something that Jews are accused of. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? Yes. And um, so when you have these new ideas that the students are struggling with, while they still want to be part of Chabad and love Judaism, but it's really becoming more and more difficult in the society. Everybody probably heard about the ADL report, about the increasing numbers of uh, anti-Semitic acts, but also in the finest colleges in this country. You have teachers who are not respectful of Jewish students or uh, Zionism and many other things like that. Um, so when you, you have a changing student body and you maybe don't have to deal with some of these things that they might be dealing with, I don't know how much you deal with it, but how do you how do you learn what is what are what students are struggling with, and and how you can be most helpful to people because otherwise you are there for community and uh, ritual entertainment and food. I'm not putting it down, but I mean it's not addressing maybe the the real needs that you have. It's, it's true. There's a lot of uh, struggle in what you were saying, and then there's other kinds of struggles. So some of that we don't directly deal with because Barnes benefits maybe from a lesser anti-Semitic campus and other, for example, other campuses. Um, but we pay close attention to through our generally one-on-one -on -one conversations between students, a little conversation on Friday night dinner, students reaching out, our student board uh, bringing up things um, and looking at our facial expressions uh, and saying what's going on. Um, now, in addition to you know the challenges of global jewelry, there's also uh, a feeling overwhelmed. With COVID, with, with life, at 8 o'clock we have to shut this down exactly because people have committed. For example, like this rush through your days, I find a huge that's a significant change than it was a decade ago. Really? Oh, yes. We had a pool table in the Chabad house. Friday night dinners would go on for hours. We do social events in the middle of the week. We would have random social events during the week. 
50 to 100 students who just show up. The, 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 so to what has changed? What are, so, what are people so busy with? <laughs> Does any student want to answer that? Technology. Technology. Could you just give a, a whole sentence? You used to, when you, usually when you go on vacation and you don't come back to like emails because there wasn't an email. Email is taking your attention. Who's writing to me now? Who's texting me now? Is that what you mean? And you pay attention to that more than where they you... They want an instant response. Instant response. And we all wake up to our Google calendars that have a zillion things on it. A decade ago, we didn't have this about. So, so life is changing technologically, too. Yeah. And, and it's is. affecting the state of mind and hearts of, of everyone. And those are significant changes. So I'm not a sociologist, but I feel like I could, I should get an honorary degree. And so those are the things we try to address and we weave some of those dynamics into our programming. Right. Some of them we're able to address, some of them right. we don't. You started your answer, Connie, by saying it's the one-on-one -on -one conversations and that was not said by you before, in just in our conversation. You know, we think of Chabad, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, as big events. But actually, what's equally important is the one-on-one -on -one conversation. In a sense, Hani and Peretz are counselors. And they deal with you and your issues, and they have to stay in, in touch with what they are, so they can give you meaningful responses. We see ourselves more as educators, and we want the content to be relevant to their lives. Okay, but, so give me an example of something that someone would ask you. Le Machel, this, whatever. You can think of the last uh, A question would be, I interacted with Judaism in a certain way for a number of years um, as a child growing up. And now, uh, over my number of years in college, I've been exposed to different ideas and different types of uh, life experiences, which make me question uh, the ideas and the values that I grew up with. That, that sounds like an expectable kind of response to a rabbi, to a rabbi right? Yeah. Uh, with, is it both girls and boys who ask you that? I mean, men and women who ask you that? Yeah, both of them ask us. Well, I want to know you. Oh, me, me yeah. directly? Yes. You directly. She yes. was separating us. Okay. Okay. I see what you're doing. Continue. Yes. Okay. Do boys and girls ask you that? Yes. Men and women. Men and women. Yeah. They both ask the same thing because <laughs> what you represent to them is somebody who can help them figure out their Judaism. Yes. Yes. Honey. <laughs> Do you have one-on-one -on -one conversations with students? I, yes, a, a lot. Men and women? Okay. Yes. Okay. And what it's, do they it talk? tends to be more men, uh, more women. <laughs> also, the demographics at this university. That's true. Um, and and then more more women gravitate towards me. But um, one of my yeah, I'm, I'm easy um, and I'm more accessible. I'm more accessible in Paris. He looks like the a beard, rabbi. Beard. Yes, and so, um, and I've gotten better and better at um, having, uh, being able to connect with students. You know, in the beginning years, I was so overwhelmed. 
um, and I put on a front, I was on guard. Or coldness. A distance. distance. Yeah, I wanted to impress you. So I, I was very mindful of impressing you. But as the years went on, I, I became easier because you have to, or else you'll burst. Um, or, and I knew that that was why we moved to Waltham, was to really develop relationships. And so I'm very proud and happy. And um, questions are not only intellectual for me, often they're not. Could you give me an example of a question? Um, and if anyone was the one who asked that, could you please raise your hand? No, just kidding. Okay, go ahead. Um, so it's struggle with. Um, so now it's mushing in my head because alumni, so many alumni now are I'm having conversations with about um, relationships, relationships with parents, with children, with friends, um, partners. Um, and even with Judaism and God. So I speak a lot about um, explore that and also just living in this world. It's lonely, it's complicated, um, it could be stressful. And yeah. Isn't this, this impressive? It's so impressive to me with all that you're taking on. Um, I would like to use the word therapist in addition to educator because. I think you are helping people, and what is what is it about therapy that is very look for so many things that is effective in helping people? Non-judgmentalism, you know. Uh, if you go to a therapist and you said I did such and such, and they said you did what? <laughs> you know, how could you have done that? That would not be effective. Um, but Chabad, one of the beautiful characteristics of Chabad, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong is acceptance. You accept people as they are and work with them from there on. Would you agree with that? I mean, you don't say, you know, you're, you're not a Shabbat observer and therefore I can't talk to you. Yeah, well, I will say it's not because we're nice people. It's because we're mystics. We see the world in a mystical light and not by appearances. So you may present with me with an act that you did that would be incorrect and inappropriate, I would view you by that act. I view you more mystically, I view you as a soul, I view you as a whole, a whole person, I view myself the same way. So that allows me to see something bigger than the isolated act that you're presenting to me. When you look out here, you see people's souls? Yes. And when I say I see people's souls, I see more than their appearances. I see a depth there. Wow. And I, and I see and I, and I see a story in each one of them that I love to get to know, and that's overwhelming because right. that takes time. Sure. Do you uh, share that with parents? Yes, I, I think we're nice enough. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, we, we and the more we've done this, we're now entering um, concluding soon our twenty-first year. The more we are moved by stories of people, and also. Because we have 21 years of alumni in our lives, which is just another craziness and delightfulness, um, we see that being 20, 21, 22 now, you have so much more ahead of you than you know, and that informs actually our relationships with students now. It informs our programming, and informs the kinds of conversations I have, because I have, I see, I've seen students 
from 20 to their 40s now. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, life, as we know, it's, there's so much unexpected and there's so much richness and pain. And um, uh, knowing that those are dynamics of life as students could be very, very helpful. I've always thought that one of the beautiful characteristics, and tell me if anyone thinks I'm wrong, is the acceptance. That's the way I understood it. Mm -hmm. uh, now I'm going to really think about the soul element, but you know, the, the non-critical, it's, it's called unconditional love. Yeah, love is a big part of it. Unconditional love. So how do you develop that? How do you develop that? Because it's, it's so hard for Amka to develop that. How do you develop it as parents of Khan? Honestly, it's a combination of the teaching of Chassidut. The teaching of Chassidut. Yeah, Chassidut, and Chabad Chassidut in particular, it, we study it deeply and intensely, uh, particularly as you know, growing up. You study as you are growing no, up. No, while you're growing up, you're studying these texts and these ideas. And these these ideas are in the text. Yes, but deeply and thoroughly. And secondly, and perhaps more importantly, is the Rebbe as a role model. The Rebbe as a role model exemplified these ideas uh, to the fullest degree and didn't only model it, but he also encouraged it and directed us in so. I'm always amazed at every story I hear about the Rebbe. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about shlichut for a minute, since that's, a, what do you call it, shluchas? You say it, you say it, you say it, you say it, shluchas. Anyhow, um, Chani is as much as a, of a shlucha, as uh, Peretz is a shaliach, and you're doing something special now. This is the third element. What are they doing now to reach this next goal? The goal that you that came out of your crisis, maybe. Here, I know you've been working on it a lot. Yeah. Well, the students here know, you know, how we respond to our crisis. Where learning is a huge part of a lot of recognize. Huge. We started as I learned, and then changed into. Um, Odd club and then changing to 54 and we're still playing and experimenting. Um, but because we are uh, gaining so much life experience with people, we are now um, focused on life experiences in certain ways over text. And we are now spending time with the adults in our lives, not just the young adults in our lives and um, facilitating conversations with alumni in their 20s, 30s, 40s more, as well as some of our colleagues, fellow Chabad Shulchan and Shulchos, creating a space uh, and a group of people who can talk about life in a very authentic way. Uh, what's really going on? Let's remove all the performances and uh, the, you know, facades that we may put on so that we could become better people, Jews, shluchim, uh, and, uh, and really our goal is to better this world, but it has to start from our own purchase. And when you're doing that now, you have two cohorts, right? You have two groups of women, and they are all shluchot. Um, and 
could you share with us one or two things that, well, of course, not anything totally personal, but we don't know these people anyhow. Um, and how do you do it? Do you do it on Zoom? Uh, yes, um, um, I have two cohorts for a temporary retreat. The first cohort, we talk about, um, we only have an hour, right? So you, we can't pack nearly everything in, but um, um, 20 years of shifut um, taught us a lot, and it, it broke us in some ways, um, it softened us, it also made us strong. And so one of the topics might be um, the unintended consequences oh. of being a shleach. There are consequences to it. Um, families are impacted. Um, relationships are impacted. Um, personal self-worth um, is impacted. And so those are some of the topics we explore. And so finally, people have, because you all live separate from each other, yeah. It's just a strange way to build a community, isn't it? With one person here and one person there. Although in this area there's a lot of Chabad houses. Uh, but it's still, you don't have neighbors. You, right. you can't pop into somebody's house and have a cup of coffee with them. And that's something that we, uh, we lack. Uh, there is an isolation to living in Waltham. Uh, you know, most people when they leave Waltham, they don't want to come back. I mean, there's an exception if you were to Boston. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh... That's right, people go away from yeah, school. Yeah, people go away from school. So, we, we do live in certain sense isolated lives. And it's and hard to have groups of students that you come to love in some way. To school, so you know. Yes, yeah, very And then they go away. Yeah. It's going to happen in a few weeks. We're going to be saying goodbye to some seniors here. And it's very, very difficult. Because you, you, I did this for I did this for twenty years, but it becomes you just you don't see each other as frequently, so it takes a toll on the relationship. And then to be in a relationship, it has to evolve. We can't just connect over what happened at Brandeis. I mean, the friendships that are going to stay with you cannot rely on memories. Um, they have to mature, and so it takes a lot more effort to do that long distance. And so a lot of our days are spent um, with alumni, actually. In between seeing all of you, it's, it's literally on Zoom with alumni, and a lot of them come back to our homes for the weekends. And yet still, it doesn't, it, it, it's hard. It's temporary always. It's always, yeah, exactly. It's always temporary. It's, hi, bye, hi, bye. And it, you know, so it does take a toll. Right. I never understood uh, before, as I knew you a long time ago, how important alumni are. Mm. Alumni, you know, you're all going to become that, I think. <laughs> um, and how important you are to Hani and to parents. Yeah, I will say that we don't like the word alumni. All right. Bogray? We, we haven't found another word. What, what was the word you said? Bogray. Oh, What is the word? Both great graduates. I know that. Right, we don't like that word either. And the reason why we don't like that word, no, they're just good words. They're good words. They're good. And we haven't found a replacement. But the pro our problem with the word alumni suggests that our relationship with the present is a result of an event that happened in the past. Interesting. Or what great is you graduated and you left. We don't see it that way. 
our relation, the relations that we have with them is because of what's going on in our life in the present. And what so we you have two you have two sets of customers. We have, yeah. Or three. You've got three sets of customers, the students, you guys, the alumni, and your parents. The parents is less. Uh, uh, the parents is less. But with the parents. But so here's the thing. Yeah. What we're coming to realize is that we have one community. We have one community of people with whom we interact with. It begins while you're a student. That's where some of the strong fibers of the relationships are formed. And then as you move on to your other part of your life, you start building your career, start building your relationship, building your family. Built on those fibers that we created while you were a student, we continue growing that relationship. It's remarkable. It's remarkable that you do that. Um, so few people do. You know, you know the old Girl Scout, I think it's a Girl Scout saying, uh, make new friends, keep the old. One is silver and one, the other is gold. Anybody hear that before? So it's, they even have to make it as a saying to remind people to do this, you know? And you have so many, every year another, whatever it is, several hundred students come into your lives. And you keep on doing it. Does, does the weight of it ever get to you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, so feel, I'm actually feeling it more and more um, in the past year or two. I felt something happened, the scale tipped, and the alumni are, are a huge part of our lives now. Um, and it's actually a struggle. You know, I miss, I'm, I'm feeling like sometimes I'm getting less time with the students, one on one times. Um, so, and it, it weighs on me. Yes. So interesting. Are, is it age? Um, we have four minutes. Um, could you just tell these future alumni, is anyone here in danger of not graduating? <laughs> so, so could you tell these future alumni what you would like from them as they become neither Bogrim nor whatever it is, studentim, zucanim? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So what do you, if you have here, you can tell them. Whether we stay in a relationship or not is secondary. I, I, I wish for you to keep your two feet on the ground and, and let your, your neshama and mind soar. Um, it's, it's hard to do both. Um, to not get caught up in your career um, and find the person and the community that um, you give to and enriches you to uh, ever evolve your relationship with God and Judaism. I can't stay like you were 18 or 22. And, um, and stay in touch. That's, yeah, yes. <laughs> that, that, that's not... That's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's please stay in touch and it does get hard. Do you see what a, a, an amazing soul honey has? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, honey, but I, I see also that it's painful. Yes. Parents do have a beautiful soul too. I just, I feel a first. <laughs> okay, so what is your wish? 
for the future for these wonderful students who are here. That, um, they have the, um, they have the courage uh, to look into the mirror on a constant basis and evaluate themselves personally, not as they are uh, evaluated in their career or in their community. And if they need a help, if they need help with that mirror, know that we'll be glad to provide them with that in a conversation at any time. And that it doesn't happen once. This is something that has to be happening continually. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, what I've come to realize is we live multiple lives. We live the lives of our early 20s, of our late 20s, of our 30s, of our 40s. Wait till we get to 75. 75, 80. These are, these are different lifetimes. Mm-hmm. It's not one, one continuum. Right. So you've heard from Chani and Peretz. Does anyone want to end with a bracha or a... Happy birthday, happy 21st year, or just silence? Well, considering that it's the 21st year, it drinks for everyone. What? Considering that it's the 21st year, drinks for everyone. Yes. <laughs> um, how about a little courage of making a suggestion? Does anyone have one? On the 21. Say when you say cheers, it's l'chaim. L'chaim. You give so many people, like, you, you will ever have like some sort of energy and joy. It's like giving us all life, so thank you. Energy and joy. Anybody else want to say something? Okay. Well, just speak to your mirror next time, okay? You're, you're ready. And I would like to give Hani and Parrots a standing ovation for what they did tonight. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Torah of Conversation, hosted by Hania Perry.